0: Good morning, everyone. It's good to see everybody here this morning, especially those of you that are visiting with us. We'd like to invite you back this evening at 6 p.m. And Wednesday at 7, if you're in the area and can make it, we'd appreciate it. We have a few announcements before we begin this morning. There will be a devotional following the evening service for all junior high, high school, and college age. Mike and Kelly Williams will be hosting this activity at their home. Reminder of our senior recognition next Sunday evening. We have 10 graduates this year, which we will honor at that time. That's high school graduates, is that correct? I know of two, of one college graduate, Darby McCloud graduated from Marshall, and Sawyer graduates May the 22nd from Pepperdine Law School. Yes? I know, I just can't believe it. I just like, she's not supposed to. And Grace Hutchison from OU. Cool. So, Darby. Hannah and Alex. I got a, huh? Kent. Man. Peg, you didn't get all this in here. <laughs> Darby. Pe- here. All right. Grace. I'm going to get them all right. I ain't moving. Darby, Kent, Grace. Alex. Hannah. Anyone else? We have several to graduate from college this year, along with the ten from high school. Darby McLeod, go herd. I graduated from Marshall. Kent, Picklesheimer, Grace Hutchison, Alex, and Hannah Ward, brother and sister. Anybody else? Good. I know we had a bunch of high school, and I got to think about it. I thought, well, I know Darby did, and I saw that about Kent. Thank you, Friday, for Grace. We've forgotten her. And good. Parents, Fort Hill will be limiting the number of campers this summer due to COVID restrictions, but at least they're having some. As we said, we're going back to normal. We also have a sheet on the foyer board to sign up if your child will be attending Fort Hill. So check on the sheet. Prayers, Carol Galloway rescheduling her surgery. Charlie Bozo will be having tests. Dottie had both knees replaced. It's tough enough for one, let alone both at the same time. My brother is about 6'4", 260, and he has one at a time. Dottie's tougher. She had two of them. But keep waiting in your prayers as he goes through surgery later this week. Mildred Jones is in Thomas Memorial. Continue to keep Trey Davis in your prayers. Mary had cataract surgery on Thursday or Friday? Thursday. She came out and, you know, a lot of times a glass, it gets a lot better. She didn't remember how good looking I was. (laughs) No, she's still a little bit fuzzy, but she has the other one in the morning. We appreciate the prayers. But anyway, thank you for that. But she hasn't the other eye in the morning also remember Kristen Rusty and others that are undergoing cancer treatments at this time be sure to check the prayer list are there anything else that we need to cover this morning and we have kids in from school it's good to have Wesley's not in school no more but he's here Andrea left this morning and I seen Andrew and it's good to have everybody here if I missed anybody I'm sorry I'd like to read this morning from Proverbs 1, verses 7, 8, and 9, if you'd like to follow along. And Holly, she's here. You get the look at Holly, you're just supposed to be there. And not off to school. But anyway. The fear of the Lord is a beginning of knowledge. But fools despise wisdom and instruction. My son, hear the instruction of your father. And do not forsake the law of your mother, for they will be a graceful ornament on your head and chains about your neck. Would you bow with me, please? Father, we're thankful. For this beautiful day of life that you've given us for your son who came and died for us. For the opportunity that we have to come and worship you at this time. We pray that the things we do and say will be in accordance with your will. Be with John as he leads us into singing and Chris as he presents us with the lesson and as we surround that table. We pray that the things we do will be pleasing unto you in accordance with your will. We ask your blessings on our sick and our shut-ins. We're thankful for those that are graduating from high school and those that have graduated from college and other universities. We're thankful for that. We're thankful for this congregation and the many things that goes on to let our light shine in this community. We pray, Father, that that we do it in a way that will help each and every person that we come in contact with. Bless us. Forgive us. In thy son's name we pray. And amen. Let
1: us all please stand as we sing hymn number 585. 585.
2: soldiers of Christ are rising, the soldiers for the
1: Next hymn this morning, number 290, 290, I love thy kingdom, Lord. <clears throat> after this hymn, Brother Dickie Parker will have our scripture reading and prayer.
3: This morning's reading comes from James, the second chapter, verses 21 through 26. James 2, 21 through 26. Before the reading, let's go to God in prayer. Our gracious and heavenly Father, we thank you for this day, this opportunity to gather here this morning to sing songs of praise and worship you, Father. We're so thankful for the day and the blessing that you've afforded us to get here and to worship you, Father. Father, we ask that you be with the church here at Rome, its elders, its deacons, and the work that they do, Father. Father, we ask that you be with David and Chris, and especially Chris this morning as he stands and brings us your word, Father. And Father, we ask that you let us have an open mind and an open heart, that we hear it, hear your word, apply it to our lives, so that we may better serve you. Father, on this day, we celebrate mothers, and we ask that you bless them and all the love that they give us, Father, we ask that you be with each and of them. And, Father, we ask that you also be with those that are sick, those that are shut in, and those that are needing. That only you know and that you bless them according to your will, Father. And, Father, thank you for Jesus, the love that he had for us, the sacrifice that he made for us, so that we may, too, have one day have a place in heaven with you. And we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. James 2, 21 through 26. then that a man is justified by works and not, not, and, and not by faith only. Likewise, was not Rahab the harlot also justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out another way? For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also.
1: time this morning, number 916. 916. Come share the Lord.
2: <clears throat> we gather here in Jesus' name, his love is for me. He prays the bread, the Lord who pours risen from the dead, the one we love the most, is
4: A few weeks ago, it was the week before Easter, uh, I had a colleague ask me a question. And the colleague isn't from America and English is in his first language and he's not a believer either. Um, and he, he just asked me and it was, it was a sincere question. Uh, why do Christians celebrate Good Friday? It, you know, what happened to Jesus doesn't seem very good. Uh, and like I said, it was a sincere question. Um, And, you know, I I explained to him, no, we don't don't celebrate the death of Jesus. We celebrate the resurrection. We celebrate the victory, the triumph of Jesus over evil, the, the evil of the world that put him through what happened on that day. The death, the torment of Jesus is not something celebrated. It's something Remembered. We remember that body that was given for us, the body that was hung on the cross, the body that was spat on, that was whipped, that was beaten, and we remember the blood that he gave, that he shed, from the crown of thorns on his head, from the nails in his hands and his feet, from the spear in his side. That is memorialized. And now is the point in our service where we take a few moments to remember that sacrifice let's pray father we come to you now knowing that we fall short of your glory father we come to you humbly and thankful for your love and the love of your son father and for the torture and the torment that he endured for us father we pray for your forgiveness, and we thank you for the opportunity that we have to live up to your name. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. Let's pray again. Father, now we turn our attention to the blood, the holy blood, Father, that was shed from your Son. We know that blood was shed for us. And Father, we pray again that we do live up to that loss, to that sacrifice, to that shed blood, Father. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. At this time, we want to give a blessing for the offering. Uh, We don't have the the plates to pass right now, obviously, because of uh, the pandemic, but we do have uh, two yellow boxes in the back. If you haven't done so already, you can place your offering in those boxes. Let's offer up the blessing for it. Father, we thank you for the blessings you have given us, Father. And we know that all of those blessings come from you. Father, we, we pray that the offering provided to you pleases you, Father, that it's done with, with cheerful hearts, Father, and we pray that the leaders of the congregation here, the elders, use this offering wisely in a way that glorifies your name and does work that is worthy of your name. And it's in your son's name we pray. Amen.
1: Yes, please stand again. We're seeing hymn number 553. Rise up, O men of God. And it's at this time that the young children may go to the children's Bible hour.
2: Rise up, oh, and I will never
1: Invitation to him this morning, number 255. 255. I am resolved. This time, Brother Chris.
5: Good morning. Does anybody else ever lose their mask and hate wearing these paper things? Happens to me all the time, apparently. All right. If you've not been told already, mothers, happy Mother's Day. Gentlemen, if you didn't know it was Mother's Day, we tried to give you several hints. There were flowers at the back as you came in. I think there are several left over. So if your wife and/or uh, your mom did not get one, please grab one on your way out, or even now, because she's looking at you. So today we are talking about a magnificent mother, and it may not be a mother you've ever heard a Mother's Day sermon on. I don't think I've ever heard a Mother's Day sermon on this lady. Be turned into Joshua chapter two. Joshua chapter 2. We're talking about Rahab this morning. That may be the most unlikely mom you've ever uh, thought of honoring, but if you stop and look at this lady's story, she is worthy of honor. Mother's Day, Father's Day, these are a couple of kind of interesting, maybe odd holidays because there are... So many of us that had such great moms when we were growing up and that are still blessed to have them, and they 're still a blessing to our lives right? Some of us have been adopted by spiritual moms uh, who have stepped in into our lives and have blessed us even more right um, Some of us struggled with, with our moms and so or maybe they 're gone and mother 's day and father 's day can be can be difficult and I understand that tension. I think the lesson today, though, will have something to speak to all of us. I think it's a powerful lesson that Rahab's going to teach us this morning. Uh, so, so grab your Bibles and be looking at Joshua chapter 2. If you don't know this lady's story, it is impressive. She is not an Israelite, and that is at the core of her, of her story The Israelites have left Egypt at at this point. They've spent 40 years in the wilderness, and an entire generation of them have died out. Now their children are grown, and they're ready to enter the promised land again. a, A second attempt, because the first time they didn't have enough faith to come in. And so now Moses even has died, and leadership to Israel has been passed down to his protege, Joshua. And so Joshua is going to send a couple of spies into Canaan. Uh, into Jericho specifically. You remember back when Moses did this exact same thing. Moses sent in 12 spies, didn't he? And they're going to spy off the land and that will be important. In just a second we'll come back to them so don't leave them in your mind. But Joshua's going to send in two spies and they get to Jericho. And they actually don't get very far into Jericho. If you go back through and you read this story... The Bible doesn't tell us that they did a survey of all of Jericho. The 12 spies under Moses, it seems to me that they went throughout the entire land looking and seeing all the incredible things that Canaan had to offer. These two spies don't seem to do that. As a matter of fact, if you read through Rahab's story, this lady lives inside the city walls. Her house is built into the wall. And so maybe picture these massive walls. Jericho's walls, if you've ever done a study on these walls, they're they're incredible. Uh, There would have been two of them, an outer and an inner wall, and there's, I think, 40 feet in between the two, and it's sloped down so the people on the, on the inner wall could shoot arrows. If you made it over the outer wall, the people on the inner wall could shoot arrows at you as you're coming in, so this is a killing field of sorts, and she lives on the inner wall. Her, her house is built. There's a, there's a window there uh, inside, the, inside the inner wall where her house is, and you can access it I'm assuming through the city, but also climbing them through the window, as our two spies do today. That is as far as they get into the city of Jericho. Isn't that kind of amazing? They didn't scout out the city. In fact, they don't get any farther than the city walls. They leave with the impression that this land is not only worth taking, they know that already, from Moses' twelve spies that came forty years previously. It's obviously worth taking, But they're more looking at the people's attitude in Canaan. They're scared. They know that the people are scared because they meet Rahab. Let's look at our story. Look here in, let's start in Joshua chapter 2, starting in verse 4. Excuse me, back up to verse 3. Then the king of Jericho sent to Rahab, saying, Bring out the men who have come to you, who entered your house, for they have come to search out all the land. He knows what's up. I don't know if you've ever stopped and thought about that before. This guy, he's got intel. I don't know if he's he's got spies himself, I suppose. But he knows that they came to Rahab. He knows that they entered her house. And he wants these guys. They are an invading force. Outside of his walls, which he thinks are impregnable. But there's a force of around 600,000 fighting men outside his walls. That's not something any king turns a blind eye to. He knows that they're spies. He knows that they're in Rahab's house. Can you imagine? He doesn't just come himself, right? He sends guards. He may have sent a battalion worth of guards. So there's several armed soldiers looking menacingly at Rahab saying give us those guys that came in the spies bring them out this lady is made of stronger stuff though she's not intimidated not by these guys at least she is intimidated but not by not by the king and not by the soldiers verse 4 <clears throat> but the woman who had taken the two men and hidden but the woman had taken the two men and hidden them and she said true the men came to me but i do not know where they were. Were from, and when the gate was about to be closed to dark, the men went out. I do not know where the men went. Pursue them quickly, for you will overtake them. But she had brought them up to the roof and hid them with the stalks of flax that she, that she had laid in order on the roof. So this story just kind of starts building up the drama, doesn't it? Uh, she says, "Yeah, they were here," and you think, "Oh, she's going to say they're right over there," you know, because that's what's in her best interest. It's in her best interest. It makes sense that she would not only protect her country, but that she would obey her king, right? She has a vested interest in Israel not taking over Jericho. This is her home. This is where her safety is. That's not what she does. Uh, This story is just so interesting, just reading through the drama of it. Uh, because the, the, the writer of Joshua just kind of starts building up the, the tension here. So I don't want you to miss that. Listen, listen to what, what happens. Uh, before the men lay down, she came up to them on the roof. So she's going to have a conversation with these guys. She knows the king's coming. She's in on it too. She knows that the king's going to send soldiers. And she wants to make a deal ...with these two spies before the king comes. And so she hides them, but before she hides them, she has a conversation with them. Verse 9, she said to them, men, "...and know that the Lord has given you the land, and that the fear of you has fallen upon us, and that all the inhabitants of the land melt away before you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before when you came out of Egypt." And what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan, to Sihon and Og, whom you devoted to destruction. And as soon as we heard it, our hearts melted. And there was no spirit left in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in the heavens above and on the earth beneath. Do you see what that woman was saying? Do you you see the incredible faith, the incredible faith of a pagan prostitute? This lady's faith is impressive. The events that she's referring to happened a generation ago. Back when she was a little girl, or maybe back before she was even born. She didn't experience the crossing of the Red Sea. Right? She, didn't, she, didn't, she wasn't there. In fact, her mother, our father, who told her about this event, weren't even there. But they had heard about it. Now, I want you to stop and think about the difference between what the 12 spies that Moses sent in, what they said. These guys came into Canaan's land, and they said, wow, it's amazing, there's grapes, and they carried them on uh, on a stick in between them, because the grapes are so massive, they couldn't just carry them like this, they had to carry them uh, on a stick between two men. Uh, They said, but there's giants in the land and we look like grasshoppers in our own eyes because these guys are giants and they live in fortified cities. These guys are warriors and who are we? We're just a bunch of slaves who have now escaped Egypt. What are we going to do? We're nothing. These guys thought that they were nothing. Thought that it was impossible to conquer the land. What did Rahab say? Go back and look at your text in Joshua 2. She says it's impossible for you not to conquer the land because God is with you. Check out her impressive faith. She had not seen any of these miracles. The generation before, the generation now that is about to go into Jericho, and they're going to be the ones that march around the wall seven times, so it's going to fall down the seventh, seventh day. That generation may have been children when they left Egypt. But it was their parents who really experienced the ten plagues, who really walked through the Red Sea when it parted, who experienced manna and quail in the wilderness. God fed them for 40 years with stuff that fell out of the sky. He had sustained them, right? If anybody ought to have faith, who should it have been? Well, it should have been these guys. (laughs) They should have been the ones that said, yes, let's go into the land. We're going to take it over because we've seen how powerful God is. We know that he's with us. We know that he's got our back. He fights for us. Is actually the words Moses used for the children of Israel as he parts the Red Sea. Don't fear. Don't be afraid because God's fighting for us if anybody should have been the first one charging into the promised land, it should have been, should have been these guys. But they don't. They're, they're afraid. Even though they've seen these miracles. But a pagan who had not experienced these miracles for herself, who had only heard about them from her parents or from the previous generation, was so convinced now That the Israelite God who was standing outside Jericho's walls was so powerful. There was nothing, even the impregnable walls of Jericho. Nothing that the giants of Canaan, nothing that the warriors of Jericho could do to stand in his way. The war was over before it ever started. She's convinced. And she's so convinced that she's willing to turn on her own countrymen. She's so convinced that she's willing to devote her own life. She puts her life at incredible risk here when she lies to the king. Had he found the spies, who would he have been back at? Whose doorstep would he have been back at just as fast as his soldiers could get there? Hers. Would he have held her accountable? Absolutely, right? So this lady's faith is impressive. Don't, Don't miss... The ledge that she has stepped out on for God, because she is convinced that He can do anything He wants to do, and right now He wants Jericho. She doesn't understand why. There's no way that she's privy to this information. It just doesn't. There's there's nowhere in Scripture that tells us that these guys let her in on the deal. You know, well, God told us 40 years ago that we were going to get to inherit this land. She doesn't understand any of that. All she knows is that it looks like God wants Jericho. So he's going to take it because this God can do anything. He is all-powerful. And the only thing to do for him is submit, right? That's what we've been talking about in Mark lately. And so some of these thoughts are going to sound really familiar to you. Uh, By the by, we're doing the lesson uh, in Mark tonight. So come back for that at 6 o'clock tonight. Um, We're talking about the triumphal entry into Jerusalem Anyhow, back to Rahab. Happy Mother's Day. Um, <laughs> All right, check out verse verse twelve. Now then, this is Rahab still talking to the to the two spies. Uh, like, picture them on top of her the flat roof on her house. She's got flax. She's about to lay down on top of them to hide them from the king, who will kill them if he finds them. So, just picture what's going on in their minds. They went in to scout off the land thinking, oh, we're going to get off scot-free like the 12 spies did earlier, right, 40 years ago. Those guys weren't chased. They just kind of blended in, I guess. Uh, nobody knew that they were there until they were gone. Maybe these two spies think the same thing's going to happen to them, but now they've been caught, and they're having to rely on this lady from Jericho for their safety. It's a tenuous position, uh, to say the least. Verse 12. Joshua chapter 2 verse 12. He says, "Now then, please swear to me by the Lord that as I have dealt kindly with you, you will also will deal kindly with my father's house and give me a sure sign that you will save me alive, save alive my father and my mother and my brothers and my sisters and all who belong to them and deliver our lives from death." She's got a pretty big ask there, right? she says listen i 'm going to hide you i 'm going to take care of you everything's going to be just fine you 're going to get out of this situation the king's not going to find you but i want to I want something back from you I want safety from you just like i 'm giving you safety I want safety back from you so when not if but when God takes over Jericho when he destroys everything I want you to provide for my safety and the safety of my family. The men said in verse 14, Our life for yours, even to death. If you do not tell this business of ours, if you don't give us away, then when the Lord gives us the land, we will deal kindly and faithfully with you. They, they're just as sure as she is, right? The original generation wasn't sure at all. These two guys are solid. They're sure that God's going to give them the land, just like she's sure. Verse 15, Then she let them down by a rope through the window, for her house was built into the city wall. So that she lived in the wall. And she said to them, Go into the hills, and the pursuers will encounter you and hide, or the pursuers will encounter you and hide there three days until the pursuers have returned. Then afterward you may go your way. The men said, We will be guiltless with respect to this oath of yours that you have made us swear. Behold, when we come into the land, You shall tie this scarlet cord in the window through which you've let us down. You shall gather into your house, your father and your mother and your brothers and all your father's household. Then if anyone goes out of the doors of your house into the street, his blood shall be on his own head. So gather everybody into your house. When when, uh, the Israelites, when God takes over Jericho, you get everybody into your house or it's going to be your own fault what happens to you. So get everybody into your house. Um, If he goes out of the street, his blood's on his own head. We'll be, we'll be guiltless. But if a hand is laid on anyone who is, who is with you in this house, his blood should be on our head. But I tell you, that, but if you tell this business, business of ours, then we shall be guiltless with respect to your oath and you that you have made us swear. And she said, according to your words, so be it. She sent them on their way and they departed. She tied the scarlet, scarlet cord in the window. And that's where it stayed until God brought down Jericho's walls. So did you see that lady's impressive faith, Right? This isn't just me making a random connection, right? She's in the hall of faith. If you go back and you look at Hebrews chapter 11, you'll find some people from Israel, Israel's history that are the heroes. Uh, these are the men and women of faith that, that the Israelites would look back to, and they would tell their children these stories of incredible faith, just like we tell our kids these exact same stories, you know? We want to build into our families, into our children, this faith, Right? And I know you tell those stories too. And you, you, as you walk through these stories, you think, wow, look at the dependence that these people had on God. That's exactly what Hebrews chapter 11 is for. That's, that's, these are the stories that these people would tell their children. And they would grow up and they would tell their children. Rahab is in this Hebrews 11 hall of faith. She is one of the people that God pointed to as someone who has incredible faith. Now, would the Israelite people have pointed to her? I don't think so. We'll talk about that more in just a little bit. But God certainly does. He sees her faith as something that ought to be touted, something that ought to be respected. Listen to what he says here in Hebrews chapter eleven, verse thirty-one. By faith Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient, because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. Right? He points out her profession. And that's not something that's going to leave her. But here it's probably more of a, just a, this is that particular Rahab. Um, don't miss who she was and what she did. But also, even maybe more interesting to me today is what James says about her in the in the, uh, reading that Dickie read for us this morning. Here in James chapter 2. Did you notice the two illustrations for faith that the Hebrew writer gives us? He says, Oh you guys, we're trying... Hebrews is a sermon, or sorry, James is all about uh, what does practical faith look like? How do you put your faith into action? And so James says, well, I've got two illustrations for this kind of faith that he wants his, his readers to have. Abraham sacrificing Isaac is the first one, right? Now, if you were to talk to a good Jewish person in James's day, uh, or even say in David's day, King David's day, and you said, uh, ask them, what would be the paramount, the pinnacle of faith? Which one of our fathers, in their actions, showed their faith? I think they would go back to Abraham sacrificing Isaac. He's been waiting on him for 25 years. For those of us that had problems conceiving, you know the yearning of, a, of wanting a child, right? Can you imagine waiting for 25 years and after you had already passed the point where you could conceive children and then you went another decade or two on, God comes to you and He says, I'm going to give you a child. Can you imagine 13, 14, 15 years later or so, God saying, I want you to sacrifice that child. I mean, it just it's a gut punch, right? You, it just takes all the wind out of you, breaks your heart. Just hearing the words, just trying to think about how you're going to do it uh, is inconceivable, right? Abraham gets up early in the morning. You go back and look at the story in Genesis chapter 22. He gets up early in the morning. He gets all the things ready. He takes Isaac and he goes. And he's going to do it. Incredible faith, right? If you go back through and you listen to the story, read the, through the story in Genesis 22. He tells the servants to stay here. Right? And what? Do you remember? Me and the boy will come back. He is positive that even if he has to kill Isaac, that God will resurrect him so that he can fulfill the promises through Isaac that God's already made to Abraham because God knows Abraham's... Abraham knows that God is faithful. There's not a doubt in his mind. He's going to do it. And it's going to break his heart to do it. And it may change his relationship with Isaac forever. Can I not mean... Can imagine the next birthday? So, what are we doing for my birthday this year, Dad? We're going back to the altar? You know, like, <laughs> this changes his relationship with Isaac forever. It's got to. Which, I mean, as a father, as a mother, you know that that just has to break your heart, right? Abraham is confident that God will be faithful and that the promises that he's made to Abraham about Isaac Will come true. And if God has to resurrect Isaac from the dead, that's what he's going to do. He's confident. Look at his faith. It's incredible to me that God says Rahab is in that exact same category. You see that? This pinnacle of faith that Abraham is, and specifically this incident with him sacrificing Isaac. He says, Rahab hiding the spies is exactly that same level of faith. This pagan who beforehand hadn't shown any inclination toward God, toward righteousness, towards goodness or morality. She hadn't shown any inclination toward that. In fact, her life had shown the opposite. He says here, she has a desperate faith. I think it's how Mark would put it. She has a faith very much like Bartimaeus. You remember Bartimaeus who's the blind man sitting along Jericho's road. Sitting right outside this exact same city. She has that desperate faith. She knows that the walls are going to fall. It doesn't matter how fortified they are, they're coming down. Why? Because the God who's standing on the other side of them wants Jericho. And there's nothing anybody can do to stand in the way. And so she wants safety. Does she understand everything? No. She does not understand very much at all about this God. She knows that He gets what He wants. And right now He wants Jericho, so she throws herself on His mercy. She is completely dependent on God. She's completely dependent completely dependent on Him. My encouragement for you moms uh, today and for all of us is if we can be completely dependent on God everything else will work out. Everything else will work out. Now this is the thought I want to leave you with today. God accepted Rahab so everything else was fine. He accepted her. He welcomed her in. So everything else was fine. Now, if you know very much about Israel's history, especially their inclination and their attitude toward outsiders and foreigners, especially their attitude toward immoral people, this was not an easy life for Rahab. I don't think the prostitute label ever left her. She gets married. Did you know that? In Matthew chapter, go ahead and turn to Matthew chapter 1. In Matthew 1, she has a son. You know this son. You may not know you know him, but you know him. His name is found in Matthew chapter 1. So we know that she gets married. She marries a guy named Salmon. As a matter of fact, not like the fish, but Salmon. And so she marries this guy. And she has a son. And we're going to get to his story in just a second before we close out this morning because I think it's so vitally important to Rahab's story. But I want you to see this little bit first. God accepted her and everything else worked out fine. But you need to redefine fine. You need to redefine everything worked out because this lady was not, she could not have been, would not have been accepted by Israel at large. She was accepted by God, and so nothing else mattered. But the Israelites, I think they would have always held her at arm's length. Do you remember Jonah and the Ninevites? What was his persuasion toward them? Let them all die. <laughs> the most horrible fashions possible. Just let them die, you know? That was the normal average Jew, that was how he viewed any foreigner. That's how they would have viewed Rahab, especially with her immoral past. It did not matter that she saved the two spies, not to the rest of Israel. God was going to bring those walls down anyhow. That's the way they would have looked at it. And so think about her loneliness. Some of you single moms know that, don't you? tough, right? Think about how excluded everyone else would have, would have made her just because she wasn't from their culture, but also stop for a second and think about everything she knows is gone now. Her culture has been eradicated. The Bible says that it was devoted to destruction. That's what they do when they come into Jericho. They, don't, they kill everyone and they, they burn the city to the ground. And God even curses the city. Her entire culture was obliterated. Can you imagine being the only family to remember Jericho? And how lonely that must have been. If you've ever been to a third world country for an extended period of time, like two, three weeks, four weeks, a month, or two months, you begin to feel this isolation where you kind of look around and you're like, I'm the only one who is thinking this. I'm the only one who misses peanut butter. You know, (laughs) like when we used to send these care packages to missionaries and there were certain things in there, especially food items that you just can't get in third world countries. And and these guys would say, well, man, I miss peanut butter. Just send me jar and jar and jar after jar after peanut butter, JIF, extra crunchy. You know, like, that's, they had these specific needs that they, that they missed because this wasn't their culture. Rahab is in that boat to the nth degree. There is no one that she's ever known that is still alive. Everyone is gone. Everything she's ever known has been, has been obliterated. Her worship, she didn't worship Yahweh, right? She, she's a Jerichoite. She, she's a pagan. She worships the false gods. But they're all gone now. Her whole system of life has been demolished. And the people that demolished it, she's now living inside their country and in that, in, with those people. And then she's got the guilt, maybe the pride, that she betrayed her own countrymen so that that could happen. Had she given over the spies... None of this, maybe, none of this would have happened. And maybe is what she thinks. Although God would have done whatever he wanted to do. Anyhow, with destroying Jericho without her help or with it, she would have just lost out on the salvation. See her loneliness. Feel it. Feel the the, the tension and the pain and the grief that this lady must have felt over... The next she's probably a young woman when this happens, twenties, thirties, maybe, maybe thirties. And so she's got the rest of her life living in a people who reject her. You feel that that grief? The point is, even though everyone else rejected her, God had accepted her. And so everything worked out okay she ends up in the hall of faith she ends up as an example of what faith looks like to us and so that's my encouragement to you moms today and to all of us if we are completely dependent on God everything else will fall into place you may have to redefine fine you may have to redefine worked out but everything's going to be just fine our goal our obligation is to remain completely dependent on God. Everything else will work out. You ever want to just focus on one thing, moms? Ladies, you ever just want to focus on one thing? I know you guys have so many things running through your head at once. Like When we go to sleep at night, Kelly's talking. and She's got like five different conversations she wants to have with me. and I'm just tired. I want to go to sleep. And so I, I lay down. My head hits the pillow and I'm asleep in five seconds. And I think that's the way with most guys. And I see some of you chortling. And and the ladies, you're you're still thinking about what's, you know, what's going on the next day. You're always thinking about things, right? Wouldn't it be nice to just think about one thing for a minute? The one thing that we need to be completely focused on is being completely dependent on God and everything else will work itself out. Promise. He promises. I'll take my word for it. Look at Matthew 1, verse 5. Look at this lady's son. She has a boy. We know of at least one son. Matthew chapter 1, verse 5. You know him. His name is Boaz. Boaz is a grown man. We don't know what happens to Rahab. But Boaz is a grown man living in the city of Bethlehem. When this young Moabite woman, another foreigner, comes in... And she comes to his field. Do you remember this story? It's in Ruth. It's in the book of Ruth. Go back and read Ruth. It's an incredible story, especially when you tie in what we now know about Rahab. This young Moabite woman comes into his field. Do you remember what Boaz says? He, te- he starts taking care of her, right? He tells the foreman that's over his fields, hey, don't let her go anywhere else. You, you Make sure she's right here. And he looks at these young men who are a danger to this young, attractive woman. Everybody with me? They're a danger to her. He looks at them and says, you'll stay away from her. He looks at his laborers and he says, drop some, some ears of corn and some grain on the ground because that's what she's doing. That's how she and Naomi are going to eat. She's going to pick up the stuff that falls, the stuff that's left over. Boaz is a good man. He's a good, righteous man. Rahab and Salmon have taught him well, right? And so he follows the Mosaical Law of leaving the edges Of his field unharvested. For people just like Ruth and Naomi. Who are too poor to provide for themselves. So he's going to provide for them. But he goes above and beyond even that. When he sees Ruth. He tells the guys to start dropping stuff. Can you imagine? This is an awful business tactic. Uh, He's saying throw money away. But he, he says drop it on the ground. And with the intention of her picking it up. Now the Bible says that she's young and attractive. No doubt. That Boaz sees this young attractive woman in his field and he thinks, I'm single, you know? Like, this sounds like a good good deal. But to the average Jew, he looks at this woman and all he sees is a Moabite, a foreigner, a pagan. Someone that should be shunned. Someone that should be hurt. Most of these other field owners probably had their laborers throw rocks at her, if not worse. What's Boaz do? He shows kindness. Incredible kindness, incredible generosity, doing things that are not in his best interest, but are in hers. He's sacrificing himself for her. Where do you think he learned that heart, moms? You think he learned it from his own mom? I think he learned it from Rahab. I think he had seen how Rahab had been treated by her. Now, countrymen, the Israelites. And I think when he sees Ruth, he says, That's not happening to her. She's going to be treated well. And later, Boaz and Ruth are going to get married, and they're going to have a son. If you're still in Matthew chapter 1, look down a couple of the next verse, I think it's in verse 6. You see that his name is Obed, and that he's going to have a son. His name's going to be Jesse. And then Jesse's going to have a son. Do you know his name? Because he's an important player in the Old Testament, he's the great King David. Had Rahab not done this, hid the spies, protected them, had she not had this incredible faith, she would have never married Salmon. They would have never had Boaz. Boaz would have never married Ruth. They would have never had Obed. They would have never had Jesse. Jesse would have never had David. And eventually someone else would have been in Jesus' family tree. Because of their incredible faith, not only Rahab, the prostitute, ends up in Jesus' family tree, but also Ruth, the Moabitess, ends up in Jesus' family tree. You see the impact you have on your children and on your community, moms? you are so vitally important if you put the first thing first. If you are completely dependent upon God you can change, this sounds cliche. If you are completely dependent upon God, you can change the world. That's what Rahab did. She didn't know everything. How many of us know everything, right? She didn't know any. I meet a new parenting challenge literally every single day. She didn't know everything. She didn't know one thing. I need to adhere myself as closely as possible to this Yahweh God. I need to trust Him, depend on Him, because everything else will work out if I do. Everything else is worth sacrificing if I can have Him. Everything. When we have that kind of attitude, not only do our children flourish, but our community flourishes as well. And our church is built up, and your faith grows and grows until you can end up in God's hall of faith, just like this good lady did. Incredible, right? Today, if you haven't already been baptized, if you haven't been added to God's family, if you haven't had your sins washed away, today is the perfect day to do that. To be added to God's kingdom, we don't do that. He does that through the power of baptism. He washes all of our sins away, and He gives you a family a family to affect, and a family to impact for His glory. Maybe you've already made the decision this morning, you just need the prayers of this congregation to be who God would have you to be. Won't you come as we stand and sing? I knew that. Uh, Cooper Fulton comes forward this morning. He wants to be baptized. And so we're so, so excited about that. Uh, we've been talking a lot about Mark uh, in our in our Sunday morning Bible uh, study and our worship. Um, we just passed Mark chapter 8 where Jesus uh, looks at the disciples and he says, Who do you think I am? And Peter has this incredible Proclamation, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. That was the beginning of Peter's journey with God, right? He's kind of like Rahab. He doesn't know everything he needs to know just yet, but he's going to learn. And that's the very first step. He has to get it into his head that Jesus is the Christ, that he's the one that you have to submit to. And that's what Cooper comes forward this morning saying. So, Cooper, come on up. I'll ask you the question that everybody everybody has been asked for, for thousands of years now. Do you believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God? Bless you for that. All right, we're going to go through this door right here, and we'll be right back.
1: number 454 nothing but the blood 454 <clears throat> what can wash away my sin nothing but the
2: blood Jesus. what can make me whole of nothing
1: 714, 714, trust and obey.
4: that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I now baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.
1: Victory in Jesus.
2: Mm-mm. i heard it all, the story, how the Savior came from glory, how he gave his life on Calvary to Savior. He taught me and taught me with his He loved the air, I knew him, and all of his love. He taught me He has built for me his glory, and i heard of how the streets of gold. be.
1: That need to make, be made this time. <clears throat> now let's turn to eight hundred thirty-nine. Eight hundred thirty-nine. <clears throat> if you would, please stand. and We'll sing the first and last verse of "When All of God's Singers Get Home." <clears throat> and after that, Brother Kevin Harvey will lead us in prayer. <clears throat> we have a whole lot to be thankful for. <clears throat>
2: What a song of divine in the city's little rhyme, will be happy and how the ransom of faith shall be solved in its with all, all. Without without the God's at home, all the Savior's at there'll be
6: pray with me, please. Heavenly Father, as we come to you once again today, Father, we're truly thankful for everything that you bless us with in this life. Father, we thank you for our jobs and our homes and our families. Father, we thank you for the church here at Rome and all the good works that go on. Pray that you'll continue to bless the teachers, Father, that teach our kids. And may all of them, Father, grow up and and obey the gospel, Father, and, and become Christians and help this world to be a better place to live Father, we pray that you'll continue to be with the deacons and the elders and the good work that they do. Help us to help them in any way that we can. Father, we pray especially for all those that are shut in. Let them know that they're still loved and cared for. Help us to help them, Father, in any way that we can. Father, we pray that you'll be with Cooper as he starts his new walk with you, Father. You'll continue to bless him and help us to bless him in any way that we can, Father, and help him with his walk, Father. Most of all, Father, we pray for our shortcomings, you will continue to be with us, help us to be better people, and help us to be the example and forgive us of our sins. In Christ's name I pray, amen. Okay. 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 Okay.
2: Okay. Okay. Okay.